Welcome to the Conversations with Women of Color podcast with your hosts Danusha and Megan. In today's episode, we chat with two influential women making waves in the beauty, hair and lifestyle industry. Fuyin is a popular beauty and lifestyle influencer based in Cape Town. She uses her platforms to discuss current issues relating to women empowerment, gender inequality and representation. Amanda is the founder of Glowing Up and co-founder of Cape Town Naturally. She's one of the first natural hair influencers in South Africa who believes that embarking on the natural hair journey is a way of reconnecting with yourself. Foyan and Amanda, welcome to Conversations with Women of Color. Over many decades, black hair has always been treated less than Each woman has a different relationship with her hair, you know, due to the mainstream media and its beauty standards. Would you say that you are accepting of your natural hair and when did the process begin for you? Foyen, you can answer first. Um, I can say that now I'm at a place where I'm very accepting of my natural hair, but it definitely has been a bit of a journey and I won't discount the media's impact in that journey. Um, I've been one of those people where my mom relaxed my hair before I could even talk. So it was kind of all I knew. I knew that every six weeks or whatever I needed to relax my hair. But then my hair just started breaking. It wasn't growing. So when I was around 13, I did a big chop and I started growing out my natural hair. But it's so funny because at that time I was, I wasn't very comfortable with it at all. I didn't know what to do with it. It's very tight, kinky, coily, um, 4C, low porosity, high density curl. So it's, it's quite a, a tricky like hair texture to to work with if you're not familiar with it and I wasn't so I just I just hit it in protective styles and then until I relaxed it again when I was in high school and when I came to varsity actually I I did another big chop and I've been natural ever since the end of my first year of school and it's been and it's still been a journey in and of itself to just get used to my hair to learn my hair and to mm-hmm. to learn what my hair is and not what it should be with all of the images in the media and all of everyone else's different types of curls it really took quite a long time to just get comfortable understanding my hair won't necessarily look like that but does that doesn't mean my hair is less than just because it won't curl in a particular way or do a particular hairstyle and I think only up until very recently can I say that I'm super super like comfortable and like I love my hair because I know what my hair is and what it can do for me so it's definitely been a journey but at least I can say properly that I'm here now that's quite a story and I'm so glad that you're (laughs) on this journey Amanda what would you say um, when did the process begin for you accepting your hair so the process started um I think it was about 2014 and um yeah just yeah 2014 is about six years um so I watched my daughter I watched Mm -hmm. my daughter play with her cousin's hair my daughter has type 4 hair and um I watched her play with um her cousin's hair uh her cousin has type 1 hair it doesn't wave or curl or or anything Mm -hmm. at all and she brushed her cousin's hair and then she said, oh, your hair is so beautiful. I wish my hair was like yours. And I thought, oh, wait, hold on. Mm. What, what did you just say? What yeah. did you just say? And then she said, well, I wish that my hair was like my cousin's. And I said, but baby, your hair is beautiful. I have been relaxing my daughter's hair since a very young age. I think she was about four or five. And it's only because my mother relaxed 
my hair at that age as well. So mm. I thought that this was the process that one needed to take, you know, yeah. um, girls with with curly, coily, wavy hair, you need to, to you relax your hair because you need to look like the girls in the magazine. Um, I, for one, never admitted that I relaxed my hair. I always hid it away from my friends because people would ask you, do you relax your hair? And they'll judge you because you relaxed your hair. Um, and I, I lied. I said, no, my hair is naturally like this. And my relationship with my hair was always very... Um, I'm going to use the word volatile <laughs> back then. I remember taking a family portrait when I was younger and my hair was a state and I, I hated it. I actually destroyed that family photograph. Um, I destroyed it because I, I wasn't happy with my hair. Now, since I've been on this journey and um, like Foyan said that she learned her hair, I listened as well. I listened to what my hair wanted to do, which products to use, um, which method to use on my hair. So it, it was an awakening of sorts almost. Um, after 30 odd years, mm-hmm. uh, 30 odd years of not knowing um, what my true texture was and then having to learn all of that again so yeah that's well, my I have story a question on this. um mm. about relaxing your hair you said people judge you for that may i ask why no because it's it's because back then it was um it was common or it used to be like the in thing or mm-hmm. it was um, um more beautiful to have naturally straight hair so, um, you know, if you, if you have to relax your hair or use any other chemical treatment and then um, you were regarded as not that beautiful because of the texture of your hair. So it was something that you hid. Mm-hmm. Back then it was something that, that, that you would hide from your, from your friends, you know, um, mm-hmm. because all of them walked around with this beautiful straight um, wavy hair and you wanted to fit in because... Yeah. Um, like I, I call it the I call it the Disney princess uh, mentality. You want to look like the Disney princess with your with your straight hair, you know. Um, so yeah, I I hid it up. I, I think I, I remember I was I remember myself being about twenty eight, and someone asked me that question again since high school if mm-hmm. I relaxed my hair, and I denied it. I denied mm-hmm. it. I said my my hair is naturally like this. So we and then I had a good laugh about it. Our natural hair, and then we also can't relax it. Yeah, um, sure. And that's such a funny thing that you're speaking about, like the stigma and wanting to hide that you relax your hair. Because obviously, like I am part of a different community, and I didn't even know that other people relax their hair. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that was an option that other hair types could even like use a relaxer because no one ever spoke about it. It was it was a thing that we did in the like black community we wanted straight hair we had to use a relaxer to get that way but it wasn't something that other people spoke about openly like they are also facing the pressure to need to conform to straight hair mm-hmm. that was just seen as something that was already attainable for other people and that we need to conform to whereas we actually all are facing the same pressure with our hair just yeah. in slightly different forms yeah that's, that's exactly the reason. Indian community um i know back in the day when i was young we would actually use the iron on our hair. You know the iron on your clothes with? Mm. And we also did that yeah. out here. Yeah. <laughs> I know Same thing. Yeah. But I know people do yeah. So it's crazy how yeah. we just have to got us thinking when we need to hair. Yeah, no, but my mother went through the same thing back when, you know, back in the, in the 60s, my mom did the same thing. And my mom has type 2 hair. 
you know, she's got that wave and Mm. she used to relax her hair as well. With her type Mm. 2 hair, she used to Mm. relax her hair because, you know, that was the thing. That's what you needed to do and you needed to sit with your, she used to to sit with brown paper and an iron to to iron her sister's hair as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I, the I, iron I, trick is actually a good <laughs> hack. I use it for some of my wigs. So the iron one's really? not bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's it definitely gets you a really yeah. gets you a good silk print. Yeah. Oh my god, I that is it. crazy. Um, but yeah, we've definitely been um, socialized to um, straighten our hair. And I, I remember in high school as well, there were girls in our class, you know, that put like a layer or two of brown paper and then, you know, they, they'd use the iron as well. That was before the days of flat irons. But I want to know from you, Amanda, do you feel as though in recent years, more people of color have undertaken the natural hair journey and why? Yes, I do. I do feel that. Um, and it started, I think it would, I think in South Africa, it started from about 2014. Um, and I think it stems from, uh, look, the natural hair community started off in the United States. I think it started from there. Um, more women of color were wearing their hair, their natural hair, their natural afros. And I think it, it came over to South Africa. And um, I feel that there has, and I know that I've mentioned this word before, there has been an awakening or a sense of self. Mm. Um, this realization of, you know what, I don't actually know what my natural hair type is. Let me see, let me see what, where it takes me. And there is an awakening of sense of self. Um, Amanda, do you mind um, just telling us the name of the group and where we can find it? Oh, sure. Um, the name of the group is Cape Town Naturally. And yes. you can find us on, 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 on Facebook. Um, we have a page called Cape Town Naturally. Mm-hmm. And then there is also a support group where um, it's called Cape Town Naturally Support Group. And um, the support group is for, it's, it's, man, it's a community. It really is a beautiful community because someone will post on there, which product can I use for my daughter's type 4 hair that has high porosity and you have all these beautiful people coming in, mentioning products, mentioning methods. Um, So it's it's a really lovely community um, that we've created. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds amazing and I like how you kind of make, you spoke about it as like a reawakening and coming back to your hair because um, there was like this sort of uptake around 2014, 2015 of people doing big chops and transitioning into natural hair. And at the same time, there were also brands starting to cater and create products specifically suited for us. There was also like accessibility, which allowed us to venture into our natural hair. And something that I've noticed happening this year amongst like just a few of my friends and and I've observed on social media is that a lot of people are relaxing their hair again. And the one thing that I love the most about it is that people are kind of detaching this sort of sense of like identity and like worth and sort of like they've just disassociated their personality from their hair such that they're like, I know what my hair is like in its natural state. I like it, but I want to explore and I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to cut it off and start again. Like yeah. I'm going to relax it and then I'm going to cut it off and go back natural. I'm going to dye it. I'm going to bleach it. Like I'm just going to experiment with what is on my head because I'm kind of rejecting these norms of what my hair should be and what it should look like. So I've gotten to the true essence of what I am and how I relate to my hair, but I'm also like becoming more than that. You know what I mean? 
So it's like I'm not so tied to my hair that if I choose to relax it, it's not because of the societal pressure to need straight hair. It's because I want to change up the style and then I'll just cut it off and go natural again. And that's something that I've been noticing and it's kind of like a full circle moment. Um, it's definitely too soon to call it that, but it's just, it's an interesting trend that I've seen where people are just feeling a lot more free to experiment with their hair. Um, and like, that's definitely something I haven't seen before in the past like five years. It's interesting that you say it's not a trend, Amanda, because in in my eyes, I see it as becoming more common around like type two, type threes, more people are going natural. And I feel like social media does have a part to play in that. Maybe it's also an awakening, but maybe it is kind of a trend. And some trends I feel is not as I don't like trends personally, so I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think that once you choose the journey, then you find that awakening. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think, you know, um, going back to what you said earlier on, sorry, I, it's just a point that I needed to make. During mm. this time of lockdown, I've noticed that a lot of um, women with type 2 hair, and even, even, a lot of white women have mm. started um, have started going on this journey of um, using natural hair products and um, mm. embracing their curl again. Because I was, um, I have to tell you the story. When I first took my daughter to um, to have a hair relaxed, uh, it was to a coloured woman who lived out in Claremont, mm. and um, I asked, you know, to a lot of coloured girls come here because she specially she specialized in relaxing uh kids hair from six from five years old and up and she said you'll be surprised because my clientele is mainly jewish women because oh, wow. jewish women yeah jewish Jew, jewish kids have really bushy hair um even bushier than colored women and they don't know how to maintain their hair so the moms bring them there to straighten their hair um so that they can put in i was shocked that is shocking. Shocked. Yeah. yeah. I was completely shocked because I didn't know this. And it, it goes into what you said earlier, Foyan, about you not knowing that other um, cultures or other people did this because mm -hmm. it happened in your society. The natural hair community opened up my eyes so much um, because I learned so much more about different cultures. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling on. I do apologize. No, 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 no please don't. I, really <laughs> <about it. Yeah. laughs> I needed to tell you that story. No, it's really <laughs> interesting. It's a very interesting point. So yeah, I do feel that they, that an awakening happened during this time of, um, of, of lockdown, you know, and um, yeah. Okay, thank you for clarifying on that. So the, the Perceptions Institute of 2017 Good Hair study suggests that a majority of people, regardless of race and gender, hold some bias towards women of color based on their hair. Do you think the language describing black hair is racist? Um, yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, it's, it's hard not to... to think about race and the nuances of race and racist terminology because they are very deeply ingrained in the way that we think about our hair in the natural hair community in all of our hair products you know um, relaxers have been a part of society and been a part of the pressure that we face for for 
decades, you know, for almost a millennia. So it's, it's hard not to try and conflate those issues when they are deeply rooted in each other, when scientific racism and eugenics were used as ways to describe us, like they, those little nuances in the way that we speak, the words that we use definitely do showcase the biases that people still have and the prejudices that still exist and that are still rampant in society in all countries in the world, you know? So we do have to be, not have to be careful per se, but we do have to be cognizant of the words that we use because words mean things. And when you're speaking about black hair, um, especially type four hair, hair that has been stigmatized, hair has, that has been um, unappreciated, hair that has been like tried to be bred out and chemically straightened for, for decades, you have to, you have to know that there, there's a bit of weight with whatever words that you choose. So you definitely have to be careful. And I think a lot of the carelessness that we're seeing is actually just a bit of a, a Freudian slip, like a lot of people showcasing their true feelings and true emotions and what they think of our hair. Because whether it's in this state, um, in its natural state, whether it's in protective styles, whether we have dreadlocks, whether we wear weaves and wigs, there will always be an opinion on our hair because our hair is inherently political, you know? Yeah. So I think it's it's not ideal. Like I personally would love to get to the phase where my hair is just the thing on my head where if I want to chop it off or do a particular style, that's just because I want to. But it's naive to think that those decisions don't exist in a vacuum where black hair is so policed and heavily criticized all around the world. Can I just come in there quickly? Um, I, I, that it, I agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I just have to say something quickly. Um, you mentioned about the just hair for you. And I hate that term so much when people say that it's just hair. Because mm. to me, it's not just hair. Mm. Your hair yeah. is your history. Your hair is your culture. It's like the fact, you know, the, the shape of my bum for example, yeah. is because my father's <laughs> done it like that. Or his yeah. father, you know, the, the mm. color of my skin comes from my culture, my history. So to me, yeah. it's not just hair. Your, your roots lie in your hair. Just hair in that you have the freedom to express yes. it without mm. being stigmatized, without yeah. being harassed, without being yes. discriminated against. Where you have the hair that is just yours you can you get to decide what you do with it without the world deciding for you you know like that's the kind of quote-unquote just hair that i want to see in the world but obviously it's it's always going to be a bit deeper than that yeah always. i love that yes i yeah. agree i agree amanda i i'd like to know how you feel about the following statement and it reads toxic attitudes surrounding our hair linger glossier Looser curls are often represented as goals, while undefined kinks are something to be creamed, jowled, twisted until they clump into a totally different pattern. Well, okay. How do you feel about that statement? One word, triggered. Mm. One word, that mm. you know, triggered. Because, yes. because sadly, sadly, that is still how society sees it. That is how a lot of um, women, men, companies, brands see it as well. Yeah. Um, you know what's been happening right now. But, yeah. and, and that is the sad reality of the situation. But we are here to actually change that narrative. You know, and mm. so, so we've got a long road ahead of us. A very long road ahead of us. But um, we are here. <laughs> we are here yeah. for that fight. Beyond everything that's happening right now, there's a, a trend that I see on social media, on YouTube, on TikTok especially, where you have um, natural hair bloggers, influencers, etc., who are doing tutorials and they'll be like, here's my 4C tutorial. And they'll start out with a, like, a brushed out or blown out 
afro that you can clearly see is dry and then after doing a full however many step method they'll end up with these like thick round juicy curls and then people in the comments would naturally be like that's not a 4c hair strand mm. because 4c doesn't curl like that and then yeah. people will just be like um no just because your hair is so dry and damaged and brittle doesn't mean that that's what all 4c hair is but at the same time it's also like just because you've filled your hair with so much product and manipulated it and achieved that curl doesn't mean everyone needs to do that in order to have healthy, hydrated curls. My yeah. curl will never look like your curl and that's perfectly fine. But that doesn't mean that this, this thought of 4C being dry and damaged and brittle and everyone just needs to put a ton of product on it to make it mm -hmm. like the nice, beautiful 3D curls that we see is what we need to do. Like, our curls are different and they, yeah. they're all valid in whatever form they are. Like, yes, some people just have dry hair, but some mm. people's hair will never look like another person's hair, no matter how much you manipulate it. And we shouldn't be trying to manipulate it to conform to this popular curl or like method that's popping right now. Like sometimes mm. our hair is perfectly fine in the state that it is. So, um, Fuyin, I just actually want to tap into that discussion because last week we saw quite a, a few disturbing images describing black hair um, on that mm. well-known website. So I want to know how does marketing and language in particular affect the relationship with your hair? Um, I think it's, it's hard not to see a relationship between the two because when you are selling me a product um, and I am quite clueless about my own hair, I would likely look at the imagery. And if I look for something that looks like my hair and you're telling me that my hair is damaged and dry, then I will start to associate those words with my hair, you know? Um, and it may not have been intentional. They may mm -hmm. have thought that they were trying to be representative by including different hair types in their imagery. But it's that kind of nuance and actually looking at the relationship between the copy, the words that you're writing and the visuals that you're putting next to it and what those stereo what stereotypes those affirm or what stereotypes those dispel. The, that is the type of detail, attention to detail that we're lacking from a lot of resources. And I think that that comes from a place of trying to to rush the process of inclusivity and diversity without actually ingratiating it throughout your entire organization. You're just trying to make sure you tick all the boxes and have all the buzzwords and include, okay, there's a black person, there's a white person, there's a color person, done, done, done. You know, mm -hmm. when you're just trying to do it on a surface level without deeply understanding the issues and also the language and the history of why certain things will trigger people in a certain way and what calling and what it means to call type one white hair normal versus type three or four black hair or kinky hair dry and damaged, what those words mean, you know? Mm -hmm. When you don't look at those relationships historically and you lose that nuance and you lose that insight, that's when things like this happen. And it's a terrible learning curve for everyone because it shows that even if you're not intentional about what you create, the harm is still there, you know? like you didn't mean to hurt everyone, but the words still hurt. So it's yeah. a lesson in intentionality and a nuance that a lot of people need to take that lesson. And it's just unfortunate that it played out the way that it did. Yeah. And I think that's why, like you mentioned, it's so important to have um, diversity at every single level so that they can actually mm. pick it up and those things don't go public because it was really damaging to the brand. And I mean, we were hurt by some of the images yeah. and, and just the language we saw. Cause I mean, 
a lot of us actually trust our, our um, hair with this brand. Amanda, I have a question for you as well. Do you think that there is marginalization within the natural hair community? You may or may not seen myself. I did get a little bit of, I wouldn't say backlash, but a little yeah, of, no. yeah, within the natural hair community, um, do you yes. think that there is marginalization? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it deals with, with hair type. You know, I... Um, I've also, I also got that backlash, uh, Danusha, to tell you the honest truth, um, when I first started out. And I remember a very well-known UK blogger. She has type 3 curls and um, she has this beautiful big bush of, 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 of curls, you know, and she was very, very popular. And I think that um, certain women just got so upset with the fact that she was... Um, that she was being becoming very recognized for being a leader within the natural hair community because of a type uh, a type three call, and um, women felt that the type that the natural hair community was meant for ladies with type four hair. So there is definitely a marginalization within the the natural hair community, um, and I think that I think that that. Um, we need to, I feel that we need to abolish it, to tell you the honest truth. And here's my reasoning behind it. We all have a hair story to tell. Each mm. one of us have been discriminated against. And I think if we sit down and we really have conversations such, such as these, mm. we'll see that um, we'll see that we weren't the only ones. We'll see that we weren't the only ones. Yes, admittedly, admittedly, I think it's been worse it has been worse for the, uh, the lady with the, the type 4 call. Definitely. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we do all have stories to tell. I wanted to just ask you, can we expect the media then to change or do we need to change within our communities first? No, I, think it, I think it changes with us first because um, media will just go... I don't, I don't trust media. Not <laughs> I just have to <laughs> But I think that it starts with us because I think that we create the narrative and it's okay. So it's like, it's like when, when I first went natural and um, in 2014, there was nothing on the shelves for me and my natural hair. And I created my own product. I created a group um, with, with um, four other amazing women and um, we made a noise. And when you make a noise, Retailers see this and then they start getting in the product. So it does start within the communities first. And we need to show them what it's about. We need to show them where we want to be and we can take it from there. So Foyan, I, I have a question for you. Um, earlier on, you were mentioning um, such an important point. You said that it's not just here because if you mention that phrase, just here, you're basically ignoring the history and the struggle of you know, what black women had to go through. So how do you think we can encourage more young girls and women to embrace their natural hair? What needs to happen? Um, I think definitely there just needs to be a focus on visibility and accessibility. When we see natural hair and different types of natural hair in the mainstream, when we see products catered to it at an affordable price point, at an accessible price point in your local stores, in your like groceries, in your pharmacies, when it's easily available, it's much easier to, to, to get into the community to learn more about your hair. We also need more information. We need more, um, we need more 
skills being given and taught. A lot of people don't know how to manage their own hair from the basics up until we get to the fancy intricate styles or protective styling at home. So I think we just need to to start this like process of normalizing it without exceptionalizing it. Because I feel mm-hmm. like right now we're still in this phase of trying to normalize via exceptionalizing it, um, like showcasing as a pointed measure that this is natural hair, natural hair, natural hair. And I think it's obviously we're doing that for a reason because it has been so marginalized and we need to like shout about it specifically. But when we get to the point where it's just regarded as a product next to your regular products, where it's just become part of our everyday lives, where it's something that we see on people on TV, where our celebrities wear their natural hair, where other celebrities wear their natural hair, when it just becomes a thing that's regular and not a spectacle every single time it happens. I feel like that'll definitely do a lot for the next generation because they will see things that we didn't see when we were growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. that I didn't see when I was growing up. And as soon as you can see it in a normalized manner, it just makes it so much easier to try it for yourself. And I think we're definitely already on a good path because relaxer sales are all the way down, you know, Mm -hmm. like especially in certain communities, like in black communities, like people aren't relaxing their hair as much, especially the young kids, which means they're growing up with their natural hair. That's something I didn't have the opportunity to do. So I never got the chance to learn my own hair until I was a teenager. But now kids are starting to do that from young. So definitely when you have a generation of mothers and aunties and sisters who are us right now, who are not relaxing our children's hair or our nieces' hair, and we're showing them our own natural hair, that definitely builds a culture of acceptance and normalizing it. But also speaking to the previous point that you were talking about with mm-hmm. the hierarchy in natural hair and representation in natural hair, I do think it's important that everyone has a story to tell because we do all have a story to tell. And as we've already seen that our stories are already quite similar. But mm-hmm. I think there's also something that we need to be cognizant of. And it's that when we want things to be accepted by the mainstream, the mainstream will always pick up on what's most palatable. So that's mm-hmm. why there was all of the that hoopla with bloggers, with type two or type three hair always getting pushed to the forefront and always becoming the most successful because it's like a community that was fighting back against marginalization you still continue to further marginalize hair that doesn't seem quite as nice or cute or as beautifully curly as the type Mm -hmm. three and type two curls you know so i think there is a pointed effort in trying to bring type four hair to the forefront because they were a lot of the people on the ground starting this movement and like trying to get it and give it momentum. They are a lot of the originators of the brands that we use today and they did it with purpose. And when we forget that purpose and when we dilute that purpose, it it gets lost and we end up making similar mistakes where we're still continuing to marginalize certain people because of their hair or because it won't manipulate or curl a certain way that is deemed as beautiful according to the ads with bouncing beautiful curls, you know? So Mm -hmm. it, it sucks when it happens, but I think we always just need to think of the bigger picture and why things do happen the way that they do and what they were created for and how that impacts society as a whole. Fuyin and Amanda, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Um, This conversation was really insightful. Thank you both so, so much. I've learned a lot today and I hope that our audience as well learns from this. And I hope that we can all embrace our natural hair and that younger women are also inspired to embrace their natural hair and that the conversation keeps going. So thank you so much for joining Conversations with Women of Colour. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Thank Thank you you for having me. 
Thank you for joining Conversations with Women of Color. Check out our social media channels. Search for Admus underscore Danusha and The Authentic Girl across all platforms. And if you enjoyed the conversation, share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next one.